cabrita siembra y brote unas semillas que sean de amor, de creatividad y de familia Pónganse profundas que levantan el mundo como el sol de un nuevo día That was Rico Pavón with Imagínate, and this is Aurora Levens Morales with Letters from Earth. When I was a student at Escuelas Rubias of Yauco, Puerto Rico, it was the custom of the cooks to simmer great vats of powdered milk that were then allowed to cool to a horrible, lukewarm liquid with cold updrafts that my brother and I called gag milk. We were none of us allowed to leave the lunchroom until we had consumed everything that was served, so my parents gave me a container of Nestle's quick chocolate powder to keep behind the lunchroom counter to make the milk more bearable. But the lunchroom ladies, conscious of class, wouldn't allow me to share with my friends, insisting that my parents had bought it for me alone. So long before I knew that the Swiss company sent sales reps dressed as nurses to persuade poor women in Latin America that their formula was better than breast milk, Long before I saw photos of children malnourished by powders their mothers couldn't afford and stretched with extra water thinning it down to nothing, Nestle already meant inequality to me. Today Nestle is one of the water giants, companies that will do anything to privatize the liquid on which we all depend, because when they see water they don't see the stuff of life, they see money. To these companies, thirst is just a market force, and the falling reserves of fresh, clean water in the world are a windfall. They don't see children dying of diarrhea because they drank from contaminated streams or their weeping families. They see how desperation can be turned into dollars. Here in California, Nestle removes tens of millions of gallons of water from public lands in the San Bernardino Mountains each year, and has been bottling, exporting, and selling it as Arrowhead Mountain spring water under a permit that expired in 1988. Year in, year out, through droughts and wildfires and sinking water tables, while we struggle for enough to drink, to grow food with, to be clean. Every day, Nestle just grabs a communal resource essential to life without paying a dime for it. So yesterday, reading about the great Guarani aquifer, I wasn't surprised to see Nestle listed as one of the companies complicit in the murder and dispossession of indigenous Guarani people in Brazil and Argentina, beneath whose homes lies the largest renewable freshwater aquifer in the world. Extending into Uruguay and Paraguay, the Guarani aquifer is a vast underground reservoir larger than Texas and California combined, and with one billion people lacking access to clean drinking water, and demand in poor countries exceeding supply by 50%, the sweet, fresh water beneath the dry landscape of the Chaco represents billions of human lives. Held in common for humankind, it could quench the thirst of everyone on earth for 200 years, and could keep doing so indefinitely if the rain continues to fall and seep into the rocks, if no one pumps too much, or allows poisons to contaminate it. Sharing water is a sacred act, a recognition of our common need, and of the precious rareness of fresh water, which is only 2.5% of all the water on earth. But the water giants see sharing as wasteful. Privatized, bottled, and sold, 
The poorest and thirstiest, those who need it most, could not afford to buy it. But those who can, can fill the coffers of the corporations to overflowing. The largest aquifer in the world is the Nubian, which lies mostly beneath Libya and was a major reason for the multinational invasion of that country. But the Nubian aquifer is what's called fossil water, a fixed, non-renewable amount that when it's gone, is gone. The Guarani is alive, endlessly refilling itself, and has the potential to be a permanent wellspring, to bestow drinking water on everyone who needs it. Below the harsh landscape of the Chaco, sweet water moves slowly and continuously through porous stone, immense, cool, cleansing. But companies like Nestle and Veolia and wealthy individuals like George Soros, George W. Bush, and his daughter Jenna are buying up immense tracts of land in the region, eager to privatize something as indispensable as breath. And just to make sure they can, way out in the middle of the wild Chaco is a U.S. military base to back them up. Meanwhile, in spite of agreements to the contrary, each of the four countries of the Chaco is siphoning off water and drilling holes through which contaminants can seep. The Chaco has been a battleground before. The infamous Chaco War of the early 1930s, which killed 100,000 people, ostensibly between Paraguay and Bolivia was really between standard oil and shell over access to suspected deposits of Chaco oil. When Paraguayan President Lugo began moving toward greater independence from the U.S. and into alliance with the left regimes of the continent, after he met with Bolivian President Evo Morales and signed a treaty of peace between their countries, he was swiftly and ruthlessly removed from office. Giant corporations roam the world at will, taking whatever they can grab, manipulating laws and governments and wars, relentlessly chasing their dream of turning everything on earth into property. They patent the pollen that makes the corn swell with nourishment, the seeds of every kind of food, even the genetic codes of our bodies, claim exclusive rights to rain and rivers, earth and sky, feeding a hunger for ownership that can never be satisfied. But this week, because of unwavering pressure from indigenous people and their allies, a Brazilian court revoked the license for a massive open-pit gold mine along the Xingu River, one of the largest clearwater rivers in the Amazon basin. And after thousands of indigenous people marched 200 miles into Quito, the president of Ecuador committed to prohibiting all new mining concessions in indigenous lands. Everywhere, people are holding up their hands to say, stop, and sometimes we win. The Great Lakes Commons Charter is an initiative started by indigenous leaders in Canada and co-created with people from all the shores of the Great Lakes, which hold one-fifth of the world's fresh water. The Charter calls for the lakes to be held in common by all the peoples of its shores as a single bioregion and ecosystem to be protected and cherished. On my refrigerator are these words from the Charter. We, the people of the Great Lakes, love and depend upon our waters to sustain our lives, our communities, and all life in our ecosystem. We cannot stand by while our waters are treated as expendable and exploitable resources when we know they are a source of life. Moved by a hope that we can yet create a thriving and life-sustaining future for our lakes, 
we step forward to take up responsibility to care for and act on behalf of these waters, our Great Lakes Commons. Seeing that the health of our waters is intertwined with our own health and that of generations to come, we are called to assert a deeper connection and more powerful role in the future of our waters. It's raining tonight in the North Bay, fresh water falling on the new grass, on the brackish estuary, and into all the little creeks that wind down through the hills. Morning doves and red-tailed hawks, skunks and deer will drink where it pools. It will fill the cups of California poppies and spangle the heads of wild oats. Every drop is, in the words of the Charter, a gift and responsibility. By right of its unique and irreplaceable ability to sustain life and by its own fluid nature, by its ability to cross borders and boundaries and pass through every living body, the water of our planet is inherently a global commons. From the springs of Southern California where Nestle's pumps never stop to the filthy brown tap water of Flint, Michigan, from the fossil water of the Libyan desert to the great Guarani aquifer of the Chaco, from little springs on the mountain where I was born to the water in the cells of my body, from the great heaving Pacific Ocean to the tiny airborne droplets of morning fog over the California coast, whether it's piped into sinks and cisterns or free and wild, water should belong to no one and be cared for by everyone. In the words of Cuban poet Nicolás Guillén, from his poem, Puedes? Can you sell me the rain, the water your tears have given you that wet your tongue? Can you sell me a dollar of spring water, a pregnant cloud curly and soft as a lamb, or water that has rained onto a mountain, or perhaps the water of puddles abandoned to dogs, or a league of sea, perhaps a lake, a hundred dollars of lake. The water falls and spins, the water spins and passes. Nobody has it. Nobody. With Letters from Earth, this is Aurora Levens Morales. Look for me on SoundCloud and at AuroraLevensMorales.com. Oh, 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 oh